Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and after a, quite a hiatus, welcome back to the Hostile Work Environment Podcast. My name is Mark Alifans, and I am enthusiastically hungover this morning as we record. And as always, I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Kate Bischoff. Kate, how have you been? It feels like it's been forever. I, yes, I have been great. I had a vacation of a lifetime, and so I'm still in my positive hangover from that trip. So. Positively glowing from the Aurora yes. Borealis. Well, I didn't actually see the Aurora. You didn't get to see the Aurora? Uh, <laughs> no. That's a bummer. Well, it's because sunset in Alaska it's at like, the time was like right. at 10 a.m., or 10 p.m., sorry, 10 p.m., yeah. and it was the sun was up at 5.30, and just the hard charging we did on the trip wasn't, you know, You're conducive to being awake, so, yeah. But I, I saw the pictures, uh, the Alaska trip, and 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 for those, for the I was going to say, for those of you who can't see it, which is everybody except for me right now, <laughs> uh, Kate is wearing her Denali National Park uh, and Preserve uh, sweatshirt, and it's awesome, and I have, yes. I have significant jealousy uh uh as alaska is a place i've always wanted to visit and it's one of the only only two states left that i've never been to uh so it's it's this is this is putting it even higher on my list uh (laughs) yes but uh, it should be it should be right uh so 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 much has happened yes since the last time we recorded and you know, we're not here. We're not a news podcast per se. We do talk about recent <laughs> news stories, but we're not going to be able to cover everything. And so there was one no. big story that happened that we just want to acknowledge like, hey, we didn't like just forget about this. And that's right. Governor Cuomo, uh, right? We, we know about that. You all know about that. It's huge news. Yes. It is, uh, again, without diminishing any individual victim's uh, personal experience. The, the overall theme here is more of the same of powerful men acting badly. And yes. we want to acknowledge that uh, before we move on, because we're not really going to speak more about it. But I thought maybe if you had a couple, anything you wanted to say further about that before we move on to stories that maybe you haven't heard about. <laughs> well, I highly recommend folks go look at the investigation report from the New York AG's office to James's office. Her office actually didn't do the investigation. She contracted with some other law firms to do the investigation. But even just looking at the executive summary is really instructive about a, a thorough, good investigation. Um, it's a, so it's it, was, a roadmap. it was stunning. Yeah. It's a roadmap. It, I think all of us who do investigation work saw that and were like, we can learn a lot from the individuals that did this investigation. Not every yeah. investigation needs to have that level of thoroughness and detail, but no. it's a roadmap that if you do, it's yeah. one to follow. It and all of us in, in kind of the investigation discussion community were like, Oh, wow. That was really good. 
Yeah, totally. And then the other, my only other comment about it is the pictures of President Obama and President Bush consoling people by giving them a hug as an example of how hugs cannot be sexual harassment uh, was incredibly funny to me. So I enjoyed those immensely. Like, oh, look at this president is touching someone's face. It must mean that touching the face is not harassment. Like those two things do not equate. Big guy. You weren't sold on that argument? No, no, not at all. <laughs> it made me laugh out loud because one thing I do in trainings in particular is I talk about hugging and that how, you know, unwanted hugging can be harassment, but I don't want to turn people into robots to say that you can never hug someone because when I was the HR director at Consulate General Jerusalem, people will come to my office because their parent is dying and they need to get home as fast as possible. And my team was the team that would get them home. And so when you're coming into my office telling me that your dad is going to die, like you're in tears. I should offer to give you a hug. Like that's a human thing to do. Um, And so saying no hugging is wrong. And I'm just thinking like Cuomo is like the perfect example of this where hugging is not good. Context is everything. Absolutely. So, so we're are you not, ready to get into some serious uh, harassment, my friend? Uh, always, always. It's what this podcast is there for. <laughs> right. Okay, so I got one for you. This okay. one also comes out of July into early August. And so be prepared. It's maybe a little bit old for some folks, but it's fascinating. So, Mark, are you a gamer? <laughs> uh Oh, that's a that's a really complicated question. I think the answer is no, but I'm <laughs> familiar with gamers uh, and a little bit of the gamer, uh, I don't know, mentality, uh, culture, <laughs> okay. uh, without really being a part of it. Well, did you know that half of gamers are women? Um, no, I didn't know that. Uh, I'm glad to hear that as a statistic, as women mm-hmm. are roughly half of the population. Well, actually, we're more. I, I, roughly. I said roughly. <laughs> yes. Uh, and gamers are generally pretty diverse. It's not the stereotypical white guy in a hoodie in his basement gamers. It, it transcends race and national origin as well. Yeah. So I am definitely not a gamer. My parents were pretty adamant that we were not going to get the Nintendo or the Atari when I was a kid. If that dates you, it tells you how old I am. Uh, true. But in college, I had a lot of male friends who played on t- like devoted days to the game Diablo. And okay, <laughs> so like, when I said I have a, when I said I have a complicated, it actually relates <laughs> to the game Diablo, Diablo. in college. Okay. And I spent way too much time playing it to the point where it was ruining relationships with friends. And I realized that when it comes to video games, I have a very addictive personality. And I cut okay. them out of my life cold turkey. <laughs> and I haven't, well, I haven't played real video okay. games like that since. Like okay. board games on my iPad. But that's, that's my complicated relationship is I know that if I get sucked in, I get really sucked in. Sucked in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, fair, fair. So I am aware of Diablo. I also pay enough of attention to pop culture to know World of Warcraft and everyone's favorite first person shooter game, which my children will never see, is Call of Duty. Okay. So 
one company oversees all three of these games and many, many more, um, but they are some of the prestige games, if there is a prestige to gaming, but they're like the old school, awesome parts of gaming, but their company is a disaster in many ways. They only 2% of their workforce is female or 20% of their workforce is female, which is it's, really low. It's really low. I mean, it's better than two. But it's, it's, really, it's, <laughs> it's better than two. It's really, right. that's really uh, unacceptable. They have pointed out massive disparities in pay. In fact, women were lured to come to the company, which is called Activision Blizzard. They were lured to come to the company with a lower salary than they were currently made with promises that they would get promoted quickly. And guess what happened? They didn't get promoted quickly. They did it not get promoted quickly. So the other part of their culture, which I think will come as a surprise to no one, involves references to Greek letters. Mm. It is a frat boy culture. Mm-hmm. Rife with things called cube crawls, where you would get drunk and crawl to different cubes to say nasty things to people. Uh, people would come to work proud to be hungover. They would joke about things like rape. Uh, they would, speaking as you're proud of being hungover. Well, I was like, oh, I... <laughs> oops. Right. Yep. And then they would talk about female bodies. Um, one, unfortunately, like the devastating part of the story is that one female employee committed suicide during a business trip of which her supervisor was with her and he had brought a butt plug and lube with him. Yeah. Okay, so the the shock of the, you know the shimmy of your head face, that's what Mark just did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The creative director of the game World of Warcraft, who has been since terminated, but he was known to have a hotel room nicknamed the Cosby Suite. And he would kiss and hug women and hang on them so much that male coworkers would have to pull him off of women. Okay. The chief technology officer would grope inebriated women at company events. So, you know, there's a holiday party and everybody. Here it is. One IT it's, woman. It has, been, ha- it has been a long time since we've had a good holiday party story on this <laughs> podcast. So thank you for bringing us back. You're welcome. You're welcome. One black woman in IT explained that she had to write a letter about how she was going to use her time off when other employees were never required to do such a thing. Okay. So like just crazy behavior. Of course, their human resources department was not held in high regard um, because in part they were very close to leadership and they engaged in behavior that HR should never engage in behavior. But what is particularly interesting about this case is that it is brought against Activision Blizzard by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. So the California state agency is suing them. Right. So that's like the California state equivalent of the EEOC. Yes. Yes. The DFEH is what we call it. Yeah. Yeah, they had done a two-year investigation, which led to, obviously, a cause finding. And then within the month or five weeks of them issuing the cause finding, they initiated suit. And the suit is interesting to me because of how it is presented 
well, I should say how the charges are presented. So there's a violation of the California law for compens for each one of the quote unquote adverse employment actions. So there's a compensation claim. There's a promotion claim. There's a termination claim, a constructive discharge claim, a harassment claim, and a retaliation claim. Then there's so so every kind of no. I was going to say so every kind of claim there is potentially right, but they're separate, right? Right, like, right. Normally, you might see this as you're violating the law, and here's the different ways you've done it. But they caption it as every different adverse employment right. action it is a new claim, which yeah. I find just fascinating because they've got multiple women for each one of these different claims. You've got to organize it, yeah. Yeah, you got to organize, and. My also my thinking might be is that there's different caps, different you know compensatory damage caps for each one. So this is a way to comp- potentially compound the damages. Yeah, yeah and, right? and I, I'll, I'll admit I don't know what the California caps look like. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Probab- or they're probably pretty darn high in California, is my guess, if they're capped at right. all. But then there's two other claims. There is a group failure to prevent harassment claim. And a DFEH failure to prevent harassment claim. And Mm. then the DFEH brings two more claims. An unequal unequal pay under the labor code, which is separate from the FEH, right? Mm -hmm. And a waiver of rights forms and procedures claim because they demanded employees waive their rights to sue them in severance agreements. Dun, dun, dun. The actual law says that prohibits an employer in exchange for a raise bonus or condition of employment or continued employment to sign a release of a claim or right under this part. So if you're right. Well, that's it. No, I'm just trying to think that through. Uh, I'm not familiar with that particular law in California. Uh, Was it, it was just, was it a straight up waiver or was it a, was there an arbitration clause as part of it? I'm just kind of. Yeah, that I'm not entirely sure of. I looked I looked at the complaint about this one because this one was like really fascinating to me. And it said that the defendants inqu- required employees to waive rights, forms, and procedures as a condition of employment related to any pay adjustment, payment, or severance pay. So yeah, yeah that- okay. I can, I can see that. Uh, you know, there might be other ways to get around collective actions and arbitration clauses related to those things, but to just waive them entirely as a condition of employment, I think that's a no-no anyway. And clearly there's a California law on point. So Right. And because, you know, when we do a severance agreement, we say you cannot receive damages under Title VII or whatever state law. But you still are able to bring a to claim. bring a, a claim or a charge, and and the agency can still bring something on your behalf. You it. just you just can't get any money from it, right? So th- I thought this was an interesting part of the of the complaint because it deals particularly with those severance agreements mm-hmm. because they might not have had the with the exception of filing a charge language in it. Right? Super interesting. Yep. Super yep. complicated so, case. Yeah. So if you're a gamer. This is going to directly affect you because not only did California sue them, a shareholder then sued them because when the news of this complaint was made public, the share price of the company tanked, right? It went down pretty significantly. Not surprising. Because these are, 
these are pretty significant claims. Um, and the shareholder claim was that they leadership engaged in negligent leadership so much so it led to the fall of the stock price. So what's fascinating to me is that it's a shareholder claim. So those public companies out there who have shareholders, this is a sign that you're going to have to keep your house clean because you could be subject to a shareholder claim as well. Yeah, so. it's, in a sense, by by being so bad on these issues, they've broken their fiduciary duty to their shareholders potentially. Yep, I'm I'm fascinated to see how that one goes. But uh, that is my story <laughs> about Activision Blizzard. I I wish I could say that in that industry that I have shock and surprise, but I don't. <laughs> I'm okay. sad to say I don't. Okay, well, I've got one more shock and surprise. Though that might be re- legitimately shocking and surprising for you. Are you ready? Hit me. Okay. So, when you think of the state of Minnesota, do you think about child sex trafficking? No. If I mean, but I don't know that I think about that specific to any state. <laughs> like, if, the, if oh, you're like, tell, tell me what you think about Texas or. Louisiana or Maine or whatever state it happens to be, that's not going to be in my top five generally. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad that's not but something it's that you carry not, around with you. It's certainly not for Minnesota either. Uh, <laughs> right. I think I'd, uh, I'd classify that under generalized concern everywhere. <laughs> yes. Well, it has also consumed Florida politics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's Minnesota is not going to be immune from this one in particular. So, there, uh, let me just step back for a second. Minnesota is purple. We have a reputation of being blue, but we are generally pretty purple. We might have two Democratic senators, a Democratic governor, but we are generally pretty purple. And so the Minnesota Republican Party, the GOP, has a significant amount of influence on the state. Their donors are generally very well known. Um, you you can guess where some of them fall or prominent business people fall, but they're generally pretty well known. Well, in the past two to three weeks, the Minnesota GOP has been broiled in controversy around sex trafficking because one of its major donors who donated over $80,000 was arrested by the feds for child sex trafficking. And the head of one of our most prominent universities, St. Thomas University, the head of the college Republicans was also arrested for child sex trafficking. Yep. There's okay. I promised Mark that his jaw would drop once. It has now dropped. At least so is, it, is that a student or yes, like a student? A, okay. Wow. She's a student. She was arrested for child sex trafficking involving this donor to the Minnesota GOP. Now, this donor for the Minnesota GOP also went on the head of the Minnesota GOP's podcast because they are very close friends. Mr. Lazaro and Ms. Carnahan are very close friends, and they he would appear on her podcast multiple times. So when he was arrested and it became public, everyone was like, oh, what did Jennifer Carnahan know? Okay. So Jennifer Carnahan, the head of the Minnesota GOP, then became embroiled in this controversy because of her connections to the guy with the sex trafficking charge. 
And there were multiple calls, including from prominent members of the GOP demanding that she resign because she allowed this sex trafficker to come into the party and then, you know, tried to defend him as much as she could once the allegations were made saying, well, I didn't know anything about it. He's always been good to us. Things like that. Well, once that controversy exploded, we got another controversy because the Minnesota GOP executive committee released folks from their non-disclosure agreements because the p- people accused Ms. Carnahan of silencing people when they knew that potentially sex trafficking was happening through an NDA. So the executive committee released folks from NDAs and then employees started coming out of the woodwork to talk about the hostile work environment created by Jennifer Carnahan, including one who claimed that Ms. Carnahan had outed her LGBTQ status as an example that she was running a diverse and inclusive party because she had a gay woman working for her. Well done. Really? That's, that's, yeah, that's what you should do. Yes. More than one, I should say more than one intern who had been 17 at the time she interned with the Minnesota GOP came out and acknowledged that Male party staffers had been inappropriate with her, had had inappropriate conversations, frequently made comments to make her uncomfortable, and was she was specifically warned not to be alone with a particular male staffer. Another intern said that um, she was told that she needed to go to the hotel room of the guy who was now accused of sex trafficking and that he would, she was to spend time with him while she was a teenage intern at, within the party. Now, Carnahan's initial response was this, that there's a mob mentality set out to defame, tarnish, and attempt to ruin her personal and professional reputation. Another big fact here is Carnahan is married to congressional representative Jim Hagedorn, who is suffering from cancer. In a recording, Ms. Carnahan said that she didn't care very much about Jim because he was going to be dead in the next two years. So there's a whole bunch of stuff related to Ms. Carnahan. On Thursday, there was a 15-member GOP executive committee hearing in which they were talking about her future in the party. Well, she agreed to resign, but only if they gave her a severance package and guess who was the deciding vote on her severance package? No. Her? Herself. Yeah. It was eight to seven was the vote. She was the casting deciding vote to give herself a $38,000 severance package. So isn't that crazy? That is nuts. I don't need. I'm like. <laughs> yep. How- how could how could they not, uh, how could they allow her to vote on that when there's a yep. clear conflict of interest? Yep. I mean, it's not even a conflict of interest; it's just an interest. Yep. Yep. Six members of the executive committee had called for her resignation before the Thursday night meeting, and some had been in discussions with her to see if she would get to resign, but then. She casts the deciding vote and gives herself thirty eight thousand dollars worth of how, donor money. I just I don't understand how 
how how that's even possible that mm-hmm. she she's not required to recuse herself from that vote. Um, I'm also questioning how it's even possible that there's eight or seven other people willing to say yes. I was right. I assume it was something along party lines. Uh, but, oh, <laughs> it's all the GOP. Oh, well, so. it was all within the GOP because got it, got, uh-huh. it, got it, got it. Yeah, sorry, but even then, holy moly, yes. that's just that's 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 just sick on so many levels. Yes. Now, I have not. You know, obviously, I am not a died in the wool Republican. I have, you know, what? Republican leanings in my history. Yes. What? Yes. Yes, someday I'll tell you the George W. Bush story. But like, no matter what organization this was, this is a horrible controversy. Like, no matter what, whatever organization you're in, you've got, if it's a nonprofit and you are collecting money from an accused child sex trafficker who's in jail right now, by the way, and somebody is refusing to resign and then had created this massive hostile work environment. And then she gets to vote on her severance package. Any nonprofit, this would be a huge issue. Whether it was a super lefty one or a super righty one, this is a massive problem. <laughs> nope. nope. No good. Okay. No good. I, no I, I think I and our listenership will be expecting any further updates on fallout uh, <laughs> as the situation uh, continues to unfold. Holy moly. Um, mm-hmm. all right, we're gonna, we're gonna, t- we're gonna change, change tack here. Um, okay. And we're gonna have a little segment here that I call ask the attorney. I, we're both attorneys, but <laughs> ask the attorney. And, you and don't, again, he doesn't prep me for these. I didn't so prep let's see how it pay goes. for this. So I, and again, I, I ask, I, and I say, this is going to be, it's, I think it's a, a reasonably difficult question. Uh, and I think there's a range of potential answers. So I, I'm not okay. really trying to stump you with this. And and it's actually a fascinating real-world current fact pattern. I'm changing some of the facts to obscure where it came from. Uh, okay. but, the, but the question is the question. So I'm going to lead into this by asking, Kate, have you ever hung out at a community pool? Uh, yes, I enjoy a, a good community pool. If it's early in the day and the chlorine has had an opportunity to work for a few hours, I don't like <laughs> the end of the day community pools. Okay? It's, a, it's Yeah, it's a lot of people. Um, in all the times you've been at a community pool, have you ever had a female lifeguard take her top off while you were there? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think I might have a problem with that. <laughs> Not because I'm a prude. It's not. It's just there's a lot of teenage boys at a at a place, well, and I don't need to see tents. <laughs> fair. fair. <laughs> uh, we have a situation with a swimming pool lifeguard. <laughs> the pool management organization, whoever they are, received several phone calls from parents <laughs> complaining that a that a female lifeguard was at work wearing only the bottoms of her lifeguard bathing suit and put tape over her nipples. Okay. Free the the nipple, but okay. The employer investigated and learned that the lifeguard at issue is transitioning 
and has decided to begin dressing as male, including not wearing a bathing suit top. The employer requested that the lifeguard put on a company-provided shirt, uh, a unisex item provided to all lifeguards, but the lifeguard refused. Kate, (laughs) what would you do? What would you advise? Uh, Okay, so first, bravo for transitioning. But two, if you're going to dress like a male, I need you to dress like a male. Well, and it's it's I interesting mean, I, because a male horrible. a male a male would not be covering their nipples. <laughs> but that's true. But you would wear a shirt if you. Well, what if had... all the male? What if the male lifeguards were also shirtless? Well, then I think I would ask them all to put on a shirt. I so you should also know I have strong opinions about men going shirtless in places like playgrounds. I find that to be just so weird to me that men think they can just take their shirt off. Running, okay. On the beach, fine. At the pool, fine. But just out in public generally, I would say please put a shirt on. But I I think if you ha- you're still there's still so much taboo around boobs. And I get the free the nipple movement on Instagram. I don't think there's necessarily anything inherently sexual about boobs. I know a lot of people disagree with me. And I breastfed for two years, so they're functional to me. But I think I would still ask the person to put a shirt on if you have female-developed breasts because there would be a concern of mine about that. And And I might turn it and say, then everybody's got to put a shirt on. Yeah. And if they, if they refuse, would you fire them? I would have a long talk with my friendly neighborhood employment attorney and probably get to the point of when is this goddamn summer going to be over so this is no longer an issue for me. <laughs> That's, I think, what I would be hoping for. But probably I would probably get to termination. Knowing you might buy and yourself a, a lawsuit from it. Yeah, I probably do a severance agreement of some sort and say, hey, take all of this. Yeah, here, take all of this cash and go help it use help with your transition. Because one of the things about community pools, they have so much money. (laughs) True. But I would I would. Oh, man, that's a really hard one. It's a really hard one. Right. I thought it was a really hard question. I thought it was uh, good fodder for us to talk about. Because it's really complicated, and it's yeah, it, it involves a lot of different issues, uh, and community standards being one of them. Yeah, and you know, you you touched on the question of like, should that be the community standard? But it doesn't really matter because it is the community standard, right? Yeah, like like you and I can can have that conversation around whether it really should matter if a woman wears a top or not out uh, any more or less than it does for a man. Uh, but the community standard is not that. And then the question though is, is this a woman in this instance doing that? It's, it's, it's just, it's very difficult. Right. Right. But you know, if you come back to the fact that it's a quote unquote dress code issue, then making everyone wear a shirt solves your issue. Right. Right. And you can provide like a swim shirt. Mm -hmm. Right. And say it's not only for, you know, covering up the nip, but also, you know, sun protection, right? Sure, sure. (laughs) I mean, you know, it would be easier if it was was already like everybody who's a lifeguard 
has a shirt on. If right. that wasn't the case, then you have to change the policy for everybody because of one individual. That's rough too. I, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's totally. not, I, you know, I, I heard the question. I'm like, I don't know that there's a really good option. You know, I don't know. No, there's no easy no. option for the employer in this instance. So, uh, I was no. curious for your take. It's not all that different from from what I would have said in the same circumstance, uh, but there, <sighs> it's it's messy. It's messy, it, and it's, it, we're going to. We're, I think we're going uh, in 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 the context of the like, uh, you know, being you know good for you. I'm glad you're doing that and support your transition. It these kinds of questions are going to come up more as we see more of of more more individuals transition in an accepting society. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, th- I think so. I think so. I It'll take us a while to get there. I mean, it took us how many years to get to it being okay to wear a bikini? So, Community standards change it, slowly over time. Yeah. There may come yeah. a point where, that, where we are Europe, or it may <laughs> not, but right I now, think there's right still now parts we're of not. Europe. <laughs> yeah, I think well, there's still parts of Europe that would have a problem with that, but well, still. Well, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Parts of yeah, Europe. Yeah, I do. Um, we're not Italy. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> or Spain, or yeah. Spain, or France, right? So, uh, I'm going to transition us into another story. I've got two more stories here uh, that I think are very interesting that were sent to us by listeners. Uh, it's always the same listeners, people. I want more <laughs> listeners to send us fun stuff. Uh, in this case, many thanks to my lovely wife who emailed the <laughs> HWE podcast at gmail.com email account with this story. This is out of the. This is from the Atlanta Black Star, uh, and it's an article from July eighteenth uh, by Niara Savage that I'm I'm drawing from here. Uh, it's the story of Brandon Hanks. Brandon is a black Syracuse, New York police officer. Okay. In two thousand nineteen, he garnered some national attention for the pull up challenge, which were videos that showed him competing in a full police uniform and basketball games against neighborhood kids. When the kids won, he would buy them a new pair of shoes. But when Hanks won, the kids had to complete push-ups. Another NBA star saw this and ended up donating a significant number of shoes to the community uh, at large. Aww. It was wonderful. Uh, and for this and other work that he was doing uh, back in 2019, he was awarded the mayor's achievement award for his work with local kids. So, Okay, a great. good uh, like a good cop like seems like a really good yeah. guy. Uh, he is also the only black officer assigned to the gun violence suppression detail. Earlier okay. this year, his supervisor, Lieutenant Patty, uh, recommended that he be transferred to the gang unit, where there are also currently no black officers, and the recommendation was due to his high level of performance. Okay, so supervisor okay. says he's great. Upon learning of the recommendation, seven white officers, including the head of the department, took steps to deprive him of his promotion. Oh. Including a covert, now these are allegations uh, being made right. by, by Mr. Hanks, including a covert investigation into his life and publishing a memo where they fabricated a false persona about him with the intent of destroying his career. Uh, in an April internal police memo, uh, the department captain suggested that Hanks had known associates with uh, known associations with gang members and c- convicted criminals, uh, and said he had a had a tattoo 
that matched that of known gang members uh, and that he'd seen social media posts showing Hanks talking to gang members about police-related topics. In late- but that was part of his outreach, and that was positive, right? Right. Okay. Okay. In late June, he, Hanks, filed a notice of claim alleging that he was being blocked from joining the gang violence task force. Sounds reasonable. Okay. Yep. Assuming all of that's true, right? Which is, right, you know, that's right. his allegations that, you know, the, the department may have another take on that. Just a couple of days later, on July 1st, he gets reprimanded for violating the department's social media policies. Of the, course! The okay. reprimand was a response to a February Facebook post. So this was <gasps> July, a February Facebook post by Hanks in which he wears his uniform while music with quote-unquote racial slang, including the N-word, played in the background. Two other posts in the write-up were referred to from 2020 <gasps> that had profane uh. lyrics in the captions. Okay, so he gets to be a fan of hip hop. There's profanity in hip hop, which I, you know, I'm a big lover of the profanity. But also, part of hip hop is owning your identity as a black man. So using or black woman, and so using the N word is their word. They get to use it in hip hop. Oh, geez. Okay. So what do you Sorry. think he does? So he he gets written up like just oh, days. I, mean, I hope he grieves the shit out well, of it. He gets written up days after filing a complaint. So he amends the complaint to include retaliation. To, to of course, include he does. a retaliation claim complaining of blatantly racist culture within the Syracuse Police Department, and it names the chief uh, and asks for thirty three million dollars in damages as well as changes to the department. The chief. Told, told a newspaper that the reprimand had nothing to do with the genre of music, but the content of the lyrics of the song and the racial slurs. He said the reprimand had been decided on since before the department received the initial notice of claim. He is going to have to prove that. Right. So my note on this as our discussion point is, this is the operative point. Uh-huh. For a retaliation claim. And I thought that this scenario would give us a good opportunity to talk about retaliation claims, mm-hmm. right? And what proof, you know, a plaintiff might need to make or what defenses an employer has. And if the police chief is right and has specific documentary evidence demonstrating that a decision was made to write him up, and arguably for me, when we're going to do it. Yep. That could exonerate the department from a retaliation claim because it had already been decided. But it still raises a question, which is yes. this is this is conduct from February and the year before in 2020. Before. Why the hell did you wait so long to write them up for it? Uh, notwithstanding your point that it's not worthy of being written up about, most likely. Okay. Uh, let's assume for the sake of argument that that is a legitimate write-up in other circumstances. Why would you wait, right? Like if it's, if it's my client and they're talking mm-hmm. about writing him up and maybe maybe they've decided to do it and maybe they haven't and he files a complaint, the very first thing I say is, 
oh, well, you waited too long. Don't write them up. Don't write them up. Because the presumption in retaliation claims is has a lot to do with the timing of the retaliation. And just a couple of days is going to be enough to get them past, get the police officer past Past summary summary judgment. So he's going to get to trial on that unless there's like 25 emails saying we should write them up. We should write them up. We should write them up and we're going to do it on this day. Right. And like, because otherwise, why did you decide to do it now? Right now, Mm -hmm. that presumption is weaker if, if it was February and they're trying to figure out what to do. And then, you know, the decisions like a week later with, with a complaint in the middle, right. Then it still could be viewed as retaliatory. You're not out of the woods as the employer, but at least then it's like, well, it's going to take us a week to figure out what to do with this. We don't make decisions immediately. We research, we investigate, and it's only been a week. This was February to July. There's, there's no real argument that I can see from the department that is going to fly here from a timing perspective. Right. And normally between the time of the complaint and the quote unquote adverse employment action, if there's an intervening event between the report and the term, then you can maybe get you might win summary judgment. So let's say he files the report and then he punches an innocent civilian on the street. Well, then you get to write him up for that or terminate him for it because there's an intervening act between the time of his report and the adverse employment action. But there isn't that here. We don't have that here. Yeah. Oh man. I hope he wins. I, I mean, it's a little ridiculous to ask for 33 million, but it, it, I, but I mean, you, I you hope, you hope he carries it through or, or gets, gets the right kind of settlement out of it and that the department learns their lesson. I just thought it was interesting because it's, it's unusual to see an article written that way where the, the employer effectively is saying, we actually had already decided this beforehand, yeah. which and it's such an operative legal consideration. Yep. Well, and that you know that happens in my world. My clients have this problem a lot, where they will have an employee who's not doing very well, um, and they're going down the road of a performance improvement plan, or the employee is engaged in misconduct, so we're doing discipline, and then the employee asks for FMLA leave. Well. Now, now we're what? granting the leave, right? So right. Or, that, or, this is not an unusual issue. Not at all. And and it's an FMLA leave. Or uh, currently the big one is, you know, you're, somebody's having performance issues and, and then they start complaining about COVID protocols at the employer. I've gotten yeah. a ton of those in the last couple of months. And that's a form of protected activity. And then you've got to yeah. be able to demonstrate that, you know, we were already in this process. We were already working on performance. The performance didn't improve. This has nothing to do with their complaints about COVID, but it still, yeah. it still can give rise to a retaliation claim for raising OSHA yeah. issues or for raising safety issues. Uh, and that's a big yeah. one right now. And you should all be thinking about that as you're bringing, especially as you bring workforces back or you've had work for, you know, people in your workforce all throughout uh, who, maybe have performance issues and they're looking for ways to protect themselves from being fired. Yep. Yep. All right. Oh, I got, yay. Okay. One more. I've got Woo-hoo. one more excellent one for you here. Have you ever disliked a job so much that you just wanted to send a big F you on your way out the door? Oh yes. A, a couple. Mm-hmm. But have you ever like done it? No. Cause the law community here in Minnesota is too small. Right. I mean, and, and, and I, I purposely kept a big F you 
vague. Yes. But we have a yes. we have a story about this that carries it to another level. Oh, sweet. Okay. Okay, so this is I um I found this, uh, I didn't find this, uh, listener Jennifer Mills, one of the two or three people who actually sends us stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. You are Jennifer. a fountain of content for us, and uh, I appreciate and adore you as a result. Um, this is from, she sent uh, an article from Black Enterprise. I also found an article about this in Market Watch. Um, in early 2019, and I... I don't know how to pronounce the first name of this in- individual. I'm just going to say Ms. Kalongi of Tampa okay. was hired to be the head of human resources for a company, 1-800-Accountant. <laughs> it sounds like. Well, it's like, you know, it's like 1-800-Flowers or one, you know, it's like a, you know, but it's yeah, like, but I don't call us for your accountant. Ship an accountant. <laughs> Well, yeah, don't you call, you get, you, you know, it's no different than calling up, uh, you know, any one of the big accounting firms and saying, hey, I need someone. Uh, okay. Her performance, not so great. Okay. In one instance, she was apparently written up for inappropriately locking a colleague out of a computer system after they'd gotten into an <laughs> argument. Right. And did I say, so she, I did say she's the head of HR. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In ju- oh, I think I've heard of this case. Okay, keep okay. going. In June of 2019, only six months into the job, 1-800-ACCOUNTANT had had enough and decided to fire her. And while firing okay. her over the phone, maybe not the best way to do it, but firing her over the phone, other colleagues in the office reportedly saw her hitting, repeatedly hitting the delete key on her computer. Okay. She gets escorted out of the office. This is in St. Petersburg, Florida. Florida. Uh, (laughs) But a couple of hours later, she logged into an outside computer system used by the firm to manage its job applications and proceeded to delete resumes for 17,000 people. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And left messages containing profanity throughout the files that remained. Yep. Okay. The company had spent over $300,000 over the prior two years to build the system that she wrecked. (gasps) And it cost them another $100,000 to get it working again. And many of the files that were in there were completely irretrievable. They never got them back. And they called the police. Uh, Absolutely. You should absolutely call the police. She was charged criminally. Yep. And this week, a federal jury in the Southern District of New York convicted her of two counts of damaging computers after a six-day trial. Her sentencing is on December 2nd, and she faces up to 15 years in prison. Uh, so there's a difference between sending a fuck you, I quit cake and deleting 17,000 files. Causing deliberate this- destruction of someone else's property uh, <laughs> is probably... <laughs> The step too far. Yeah, the bridge too far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Fair. if you go out, and I, I, you know, it's not often that we have one uh, on our podcast for the recruiters out there who we love, uh, <laughs> but I can just see, like, the recruiters being like, 17,000 resumes deleted from our, oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> well, and, and it's 17,000 files for accountants who, who, you know, have CPAs, there's lots of licensure issues on there, all that stuff. 
No, thank you. Can you imagine if they were an affirmative action employer and they had to keep all of those records and now they can't have them? Or the what the document retention is if she was getting read of right, the, personnel files? The spoliation issues and that. It's just, it, yes. it could be, it could be disastrous to, and it sounds like it was in some ways for the, for the company to have this happen to them. Uh, anyway, it's a good story. Uh, we all want to say that F you and we leave a job we didn't like. Just say the F you and be gone. <laughs> if yes, you're going to do works. that, um, don't cause destruction. I, don't, I know I don't need to tell our listenership that, but holy moly, sometimes it really, it really goes crazy. So yeah, not great, not great whatsoever. Oh my goodness, that is fantastic! What a way to get out of out of your employment. Ugh, Ugh is right. So. Uh, that's our episode for today. Um, please, uh, if you have questions or scenarios or a good, you know, ask the lawyer. Uh, or, or you have topics that you just want us to talk about or scenarios that are interesting or articles that are interesting or, you know, we're always looking for more content, uh, stories to tell. I haven't really gotten any listener stories here for, for a little bit of time now. Uh, it's really something that we love and we think it, it adds to the podcast. Uh, and I ask every mm-hmm. episode, but I'm being explicit again this time. Please send them. <laughs> Uh, hwepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. You can also tweet at our at our Twitter account at hwepodcast or at Kate or myself on our personal Twitter accounts if you have content or things you want us to check out. Uh, we're going to be trying as we kind of ramp back up in the fall and get back to a regular schedule here to improve our social media uh, interaction and engagement uh, and we'd really like to have better engagement with all of you and more engagement with all of you. Yeah. It, I, I think we enjoy it and yeah, I think it enriches the podcast, uh, dramatically. Yes. So, uh, again, HWE podcast at gmail.com is how you can reach us, uh, as a podcast, Kate, how can people reach you individually? Should they want to hire a brilliant Minnesota <laughs> employment attorney? Yes. Thank you. Uh, K eight B I S C H at uh, on the Twitters, Kate Bischoff B I S C H O F F on LinkedIn. How about you? How can we find you besides hanging out with Dennis at BullardLaw.com? Yes, BullardLaw.com uh, is is my law firm address, uh, website address. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter uh, at Salad Pants and on most of the socials at salad pants, Instagram, whatever. Uh, not that my Instagram <laughs> has anything to do really with employment law whatsoever. Uh, but, uh, and then LinkedIn, Mark Alifan's easy enough to find. Uh, yeah. There's only one of me. Uh, well, and also if you want to see awesome pics of Alaska, you can go to my Instagram at K8BISCH. And, and so. you know, I, I went to Idaho and had a pretty awesome time. It just pales in comparison to Alaska. But if you want to see some cool Idaho pictures. <laughs> Idaho pics, uh, yes. You can go to my Insta. And uh, there's, I, there's a pretty good one of me whitewater rafting. So Yes, it's a great one. It's a great one. So. All right. We love okay, you well, all. Okay, well, thanks, everybody. Be good. We'll be back, I think, after Labor Day. Yes. So a few more weeks. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.